Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever episode of the 700 Pelham Road Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Jack State Sports. My name is Caleb Williams, alongside co-host Jalen Cooper. Let's get going. Jalen, how are you doing today? I am doing good. I'm doing good. Just sitting here enjoying the afternoon, uh, trying to stay cool in this hot weather. But you know how that is. Yeah, Alabama weather sucks. Yeah, we... We were hitting uh, feels like temperatures of around 106, 107 today, at least where I am in Birmingham. So, not Jeez. fun. Yeah, it's pretty hot down here at the beach. So, I'm not fun. Good to be inside right now. So, oh, yeah. Um, so, for those of you who are finding the podcast, it is our first ever episode. We are the official podcast of the Sidelines Jack State uh, Twitter account. Um, there are a lot of JSU podcasts out there. Um, some good, some maybe not as good, but, um, we're hoping that we can be one of the good ones. So I guess we just dive straight into it. Um, uh, with the news around the university, I guess we'll start with the stadium construction stuff. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who are not familiar with Jacksonville state university and especially the football program, one of the biggest things that was announced a few years back was the creation of a new stadium. Uh, as Caleb can attest, the vision for that new stadium has changed several times since it was announced. And now we're just kind of stuck in no man's land. We know for sure we're getting the field house that is projected to be done for the start of next season. But as of right now, the visitor stands are still kind of ripped apart and it's now just pure concrete. So I haven't really heard anything, any concrete updates, <laughs> no pun intended. What about you, Caleb? Have you heard anything? Um, not officially. I mean, we've seen people on Twitter say that they've heard one way or the other. Um, I mean, the biggest rumor right now is after this season that they'll eventually start the, the original plan for the for the visitor side, which is to um, which is to add in the I don't know if they'll actually add in the dorm building on the back of it like they do the home side or not, but um, um, I've I've heard rumors that that's what they're going to do after the season um, as they kind of get in towards the end of the of the field house uh, construction, but nothing concrete yet. Um, I mean, it's just rumors right now. I'm waiting for the university to actually say they're doing that before I believe it. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of worried, especially with us moving into CUSA and having some bigger games. I expect us to have bigger road crowds, and I just don't want that to be their first impression, uh, them just sitting on a big, giant concrete slab, not even your old-school stadium bench seating. So I at least hope there's some sort of some sort of contingency plan in place until we can bridge, so we can bridge the gap um, for whatever their final plans are for that visitor side. Yeah, I'd love to see them. I'd love to see them do the do the project. I mean, the stadium mock-ups looked really good. Um, it looked more like an FBS stadium. Um, you know, I mean, it's no one's fault. We've been FCS forever. Um, we haven't needed a bigger stadium or even really a nicer stadium because we never got any big home crowds outside of really 
I guess UNA and Kennesaw State. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're dead 100% right with bigger teams probably coming in, whether it's, you know, Liberty, Coastal Carolina, you know, those type teams. Like, we're going to have to have a nicer facility for them to come to because it, I know that, you know, what happens on the field is really what matters, but people are going to go on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and trash us if we have a, you know, a, a bad looking away stand for them. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when our home site at least looks a lot more presentable. Um, but who knows? Maybe they have a plan in place. Uh, maybe we can talk to some people and get, you know, a better idea of what's going on and what's the plan. But I mean, in general, I, I know the field house is the construction seems to be going along pretty steady. And I know the guys are really excited about that. I, I've said for the longest they deserve a new facility, new equipment, you know, everything to match what we expect out of them. Because, I mean, like I said, like, you know, we've always had the talent. And so I think that'll just be something that will be good for them to have and to feel like it actually lives up to the expectations that they have and the coaches have and the fans have. Yeah, and I – I don't imagine that Rich Rod will probably accept the, the condition of the stadium much longer. I mean, he's a big-time coach. He's coached, you know, in the in the Big East, um, in the Big Ten, Pac-12. I mean, he's coaching the SEC as an offensive coordinator. I mean, he's seen some big stadiums. He's coached in big stadiums. He's worked at big universities. I don't, I don't imagine that he would stay at JSU long if they weren't committed to putting together a good facility for him. So, I mean – I have some confidence, you know, just because, again, it's – I mean, it's Rich Rod. It, it, he's, he's a big enough name. He'll get what he wants. Um, and I imagine the university – I mean, I can't imagine that Greg Sides is going to want probably one of our best coaches in school history. I mean, and I, I say that – I use that term lightly just because it's only been one year. But, um, I mean, this is a guy who's almost made it to the national championship on multiple occasions um, uh, with, I think, two different schools. So – uh, I don't imagine that they will not try to appease him as much as they can. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, especially with him knowing that the game day atmosphere is so important. And one of the ways you build a great game day atmosphere is having a stadium that people want to come to. Um, and even though it is the visitor side, our, our goal is to have such a big home crowd that some people are just forced to sit on that side. Um, sort of like an overflow side, I guess, of sorts. So, yeah, it, it's very imperative for our game day atmospheres going forward to just try and have the best and most put-together-looking stadium that we can find. And I, I have faith. I have trust. Um, so far, I mean, our athletic department has not let us down. So uh, we, we just keep it pushing, and we we're, we're going to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, all right. Um, I guess moving on, we'll get into the uniforms and the logo redesigns, uh, which have been uh, a conversation that has, I, I don't want to say has dominated JSU Twitter the last month and a half, but it's almost dominated JSU Twitter, Twitter the last month and a half. Um, yeah, it, it's it's been one of those that, it, it went hand in hand with the university rebranding to Jack State, um, 
it was kind of a given that the logos and the uniforms were gonna get a, a revamp going along with that. So yeah, like you said, it's it's been the talk of the town for a good little bit, and there are definitely mixed reviews. Yeah, I um, I could be mean and and really say what I think about them. Um, I'm, I'm not going to do that because I do support the university. I mean, you know, I hold one degree there. I'm working on my second, so I'm not going to be too mean. But I'll be honest, they they look like high school uniforms. Um, I, I mean, they really do. the The helmets are not bad. I like the Jack State on the helmet, um, but the the jerseys the, and the pants. Um, outside of the fact that, that they kind of, you know, like the pants are kind of like a throwback design to like the nineties when they won the national championship, but the jerseys are, are just really simple. Um, yeah. it's almost like a dumbed down version of what they were just a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that really just has to do with it being Adidas and, it is what it is. Like Adidas is known for making some good stuff, but especially when it comes to football uniforms, with us only using Jack State, you're kind of expecting it to be super simple, kind of like you said, the high school uniforms. I think the Jack State can work really well on your baseball, softball uniforms, and even on like basketball jerseys. But for football, you all you you want something a little bit flashier. Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely kind of gives you that high school look and that high school feel. Um, but, hey, I mean, the rebranding to Jack State definitely differentiates us because for the longest, if you just kept searching up JSU, it would pull up uh, that other school that Deion Sanders was coaching at, good old Jackson State. Yeah, yeah, that school. Um, <laughs> I, I actually just typed in the – and uh, I think Google um, JSU football uniforms and Jacksonville State was like the 15th link. Everything else was Jackson State. Um, so, so if that tells you anything, I mean, we, I don't, I don't necessarily blame Adidas. I do, but I don't. Um, outside of the uniforms they were making for Texas A&M when Johnny Manziel was playing for them, Adidas hasn't really made any good uniforms and. Adidas uniforms are a lot like like the early Nike basketball, like NBA uniforms. They tear a lot. Um, yeah. They're really tight on the pads. Um, I, I just, I'll just be honest, they're really not high quality, you know, uniforms to begin with. But throw that in with the design, which I'll be honest, the design's not, like I said, it's not great. I don't know how you feel about that black portion of the neck. I'm not a big fan of it. It just doesn't look right. It feels like it was kind of thrown in there at the end. I mean, I don't know. A lot of these uniforms also, you know, obviously we're seeing close-up pictures online. Maybe it'll look different from the sands. Maybe it'll, it'll look a little bit better and a little bit cleaner. Just the, the being able to see the close-ups, it's nothing impressive. It's not necessarily the worst we've seen, um, but it's definitely nothing that, sticks out or you know separates us uniform wise yeah and you know kind of you know all like you know the stadium reconstruction stuff you know opposing fans will notice it for sure um and i don't want to get made fun of i really don't um 
especially coming, you know, into the FPS, you know, year one, it's really easy to kind of be that school that gets made fun of. Um, unless you're, you know, coming out and winning by, you know, half a half a hundred every week, it's really easy to, to become a laughing stock your first few years. And I feel like just adding, adding ammo to the cannons really, it's not the best idea, but, you know, I don't work for the university, so I really can't say too much. Yeah. I, I think one thing that the university should do is I, I've seen them posting pictures with that old school throwback rooster. They need to incorporate that somewhere in the uniforms, maybe on a helmet. Maybe we have a throwback uniform week or something. I don't know. I just want to see that rooster involved with athletics a lot more. It looks so – it just looks – so JSU, if that makes sense, I've seen a lot of our fans on Twitter raving over that. Everybody loves that look. It's just, it's classic. It's nice. It's clean. It's nothing too flashy, but it helps us stand out just a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, like you remember the, uh, like the Nike, um, what was it? The Nike helmets that, that they used to make for college teams back in the, like, like maybe like 10 years ago where the logo was like, like the Boise state helmets where like the Bronco was like super big. Oh yeah. If they could do that with like a white helmet for us with the red throwback rooster and like red face masks. That would look, I mean, I feel like people would lose their minds over that. All I'm saying is you do that with a red Jersey and white pants. All, all I'm saying is that would be one of the that would be one of the best looks that we've had in a long time. Oh yeah, I mean I I'm I'm excited to see some of the combinations with the colors that we use on our uniforms. You you can't go wrong with just about any combination. Um, I'd love to see a red out or a white out. Honestly, I'd love to see a black out, but a lot of our alumni and our fans have mixed feelings on the blackout. I, I just think a blackout would be extremely hard, especially for a night game under the lights. Yeah. It's like, especially like you remember how North Carolina used to do the zero dark Thursday games. Oh yeah. Yeah. If, if we ever play like, like for one of our weeknight games, if we get like Liberty or Sam Houston in here and we go blackout on a Thursday night, I, you, man, that would be awesome. Yeah, honestly, just think about rolling into Jacksonville. The, the stands are packed on a Wednesday night. You know, the student section is actually full because it's not a weekend and kids got class the next day. So you're rolling in, the stands are packed. It's 6.30 at night. The lights are shining. And then the, the boys come out in all black. I think people would absolutely lose their minds, man. Um, oh, and to correct something you said earlier, there is one wrong combination with our colors. Um, if if we never pull out the digital camo ever again, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> okay. The, the digital camo was something that I think I've heard a lot of fans want to forget that game. It looked kind of cool from afar being at that game. It, it looked kind of cool from afar, but the longer you pay attention to it, the more of an eyesore that uniform becomes. It was definitely different because what that was, uh, was that the veterans day game or Memorial day game or something like that? Yeah. I think, I think it was veterans day that in 2015, um, 
Here's the thing. When they first came out with those, I was still in high school. I thought they were like the cleanest uniforms ever. Because uh, I was around the same time that Army had a digital camo uniform as well. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And the more I look at it, the more I hate it. In the stands, not knowing that that was the uniform and seeing that, it, it was cool in the stands. But the more I look at pictures from that game and just see see it up close, it, it kind of just looks like somebody took a bunch of paint and flicked it on a uniform and called it camo. Yeah, it wasn't – if it had been better planned, I think it, they could have done something with it. But, it, I mean, all they did really was take, like, five shades of red and start throwing them onto a canvas and – so, you know, it is what it is. I think if they had done like red, like red and black digital camo, or maybe like red and white and black digital camo, that would have been pretty good. Yeah. But, yeah. but multiple shades of red, not so much. Yeah, especially because some of that red started to look like pink. And at that point, we don't have pink anywhere in our colors. And yeah. I, I think that's where it kind of threw it off a little bit is if they had incorporated a little bit more black and a little bit more white, like you said, then maybe it could have looked a lot better. But trying to have so many different shades of red, it can only work out so well. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it is what it is, you know, going, kind of going back to the original point. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things they can do with the uniforms, whether it's, you know, you know, red out. I mean, we already do red out now. Um we have the alternate helmets that are the the throwback with like the the white oval with the with the J in it. Um, oh yeah, we have those. Those are pretty clean. Um, um, I mean, th- there are a lot of things they can do with it. Um, so I mean, it'll be. I'm not. I'm not going to lose faith. I'm not. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the uniforms, but I, I'm not going to lose faith because it's a long season. Um, and it's our first year in F- FBS, so they didn't really have too much time to plan because we went from ASUN to Conference USA, and all, literally, I mean, about five months after joining Conference USA, um, sorry, joining ASUN, uh, we got an offer from CUSA. So uh, you, yeah. you can't blame the. <laughs> it was like, well, we just got here, and now we're leaving. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, I I remember everybody kind of getting whiplash because. Like you said, we had just joined the A-Sun. We were all, as fans, kind of excited because there were a good bit of our rivals or teams we like to consider our rivals in the A-Sun. So we were excited to see them every year in all of our sports. And then almost out of nowhere, we hear rumblings that some of the FBS conferences are coming calling and Next thing you know, the the official announcement that we're moving to CUSA drops, and it's like, whoa. Like, I'm obviously not upset. Always excited to move up another level. But it, like you said, it came out of nowhere. We had just gotten out of the OVC, and it almost felt like we were just kind of throwing the ace to the side, which, honestly, after the way they did us in football last year, I kind of don't care anymore. Yeah. Um, well, and you know what's crazy? We hadn't even finished our first season in the conference in football. I think it was like October, November, and we heard that we were moving. And we were like, we haven't even finished the season yeah. yet. <laughs> the the ink had not dried on that season yet, and we were already 
on to the next bigger and better thing. But I mean, that's the way it happens sometimes. Sometimes we forget that that side of college athletics is very much a business. Um, and that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. So, you know, you, you pick yourself up and you keep moving. And obviously, like I said, all the fans loved it. We were excited. And CUSA, it's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge, but I'm looking forward to it. We got some big hitters, and after the big news of the grant of rights deal, looks like we'll be pretty much locked in to play these dudes going forward for at least the next six years. Yeah, and I'm pulling it up right now. Um, I mean, that was a great segue to kind of get into that. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of grant grant of white rights deals with, um, with like Power Five conferences, um, and we've also seen the lack of a grant of rights deal be the end of of certain conferences. Um, you know, like Pac-12, they can never get a media deal, so naturally, no one's going to stay in the conference. Whereas, you know, the ACC and like the SEC just signed huge grant of rights deals. Um, um, and I think the Big Ten did too with uh, with CBS, and it locks their teams in. Um, yeah. And so, you know, to have an FCS conference with a grant of rights deal with both ESPN and CBS, you know, it's huge for stability because you can still add teams in that period, but the teams in the conference would have to pay to leave, which which I think is good. I mean, you know, just from you know from a non biased you know standpoint of someone who's you know, if I weren't a fan of a team in the conference, it's good. You don't want to see teams just, you know, bar hopping around the country, um, you know, for the next for the next best conference. Um, you know, you want to see stability. You want to play a lot of the same teams over and over again and build those rivalries, build those traditions. Um, you know, kind of like we mentioned, we didn't get to do that with the A-Sun, which is fine because, you know, it's not like we went from A-Sun, you know, like back to OVC. You know, we went from FCS all the way up to FBS. Um so I mean I like it. Um, I, I I would have loved to have seen the uh, the deal maybe be a little bit longer, maybe closer to ten years. But I mean six years is still six years that we're locked into an FBS conference and oh, don't yeah. have and don't have to look for another you know for another uh, place to play. Yeah, for those of you who may not know what a grant of rights deal is, so basically the conference went to all of the teams, all of the the teams in our conference and came to an agreement that all of the media rights for each school will be basically they will become property of the conference for the next six years. And if a team were to want to leave the conference, they would basically have to buy their way out of the deal or else the conference would still own their rights for media, whether it be, radio or TV broadcasts or anything of the sorts, which would make leaving for another conference extremely, extremely difficult because then that new conference wouldn't get any of the revenue from your media deal. Um, so yeah, it, it essentially locks all the teams that are currently in the, in the conference in for another six years. And like Caleb said, other schools can join like uh, Kennesaw State will be officially joining before next year. Um, and I know CUSA has their eyes on a couple of other teams. So whenever they join, they essentially have to agree to the grant of rights as well. 
um, for the period that it is in effect. Yeah, you know, you mentioned, and I mean, I think I think we both mentioned it is like teams buying their way out. Um, you know, for example, you know, Texas and Oklahoma bought their way out of the rest of the Big Twelve deal um, to join the SEC, and we all thought it was going to happen. You know, for twenty twenty five. And then they bought out to join next season. Um, so, you know, not to say that JSU is going to the SEC or the Big 12 anytime soon, but let's say a Power 5 conference were to come calling. There is a route to, you know, to go to that conference. I don't see it happening. I really – I don't I don't want it to happen. I'm, you know, I'm happy where we are. You know, but in that instance, you know, it, you know, any team that maybe wants to go to a different conference, I, they, I mean, they have the ability to do that. They just – they've got to pay out their – their remaining portion of the deal. So, um. yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it's one of those to where it, it just, it, it essentially makes sure that we lock in those rivalries and we just don't have teams leaving for greener pastures, which makes games better year after year after year because then the fans and the athletes and the coaches themselves can go into next year, you know, circle that game on the calendar. No matter how many times people admit they don't, everybody circles certain games on the calendar. And I think making sure you have teams locked into a deal, especially in this day and age of conference realignment, being able to know, hey, we may have gotten our butts butts kicked by so-and-so this year, the next year, I know they're going to be on that schedule, so I'm watching, waiting for that schedule to come out. So I know, hey, this weekend I got to be at the stadium because we're we're going to get them back. Yeah, like I mean, I know, and I know that like Liberty, I think is a is a Tuesday or Wednesday night game this week. Um, look, I work in Clanton. I I could see myself taking the day day after off and driving up there for the game. Just because it's Liberty, and you know it's a bit, it's a good school, good team, um, and you know, like you said, I'd love to see us have a rivalry with Liberty, with Coastal, you know, for a few, for several years. Because, um, like you said, you know, losing to them sucks, but the next year, if you beat them, it, it's all that much better. Yeah, yeah, I and I just want natural rivalries. I don't want the force stuff. I, I love that we're a part of CUSA, but them trying to force this gravy bowl versus Sam Houston down our throats, I just I don't get it. We didn't play them that much in the FCS. It's not a game where fans can just casually drive over. I think they should have waited for more of a natural rival who is already set to join the conference. Cough, cough, Kennesaw State. Um <laughs> and just called it the Battle of I-20 or something. I don't know. The the Gravy Bowl and it being Sam Houston, which is like a 12, 13-hour drive both ways for fans, I, it just doesn't seem like it should be our rivalry. But that's a that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you're not wrong, though. Um, but, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, Kennesaw's joining next year, and they can they can not recognize it as a rivalry. There's not a team on our schedule I'm going to want to beat more than Kennesaw State next year. Exactly. It, it's can, not. It won't even be close. 
Yeah, the closest one will be Liberty, and even then, it, it's nothing on Kennesaw State. It's one of those where the the opposing team may not be as good as other teams on your schedule, but there's just something there. And yeah. JSU fans and KSU fans can tell you there's something there. We don't like them. They don't like us. And as much as they like to say it's a one-sided rivalry, they have been close games and the the game at SunTrust, now truest, we should have won because that was a fumble. And it was a fumble, and you can't change my mind. <laughs> it was a fumble. I don't care what anybody else says. That was clearly a fumble. I've gone back and seen that replay at least 20 times since that game. It, it's clearly a fumble. The rest were just ready to get home. And then, oddly enough, we were there for about 30 overtimes. And still, you know, I don't want to harp on that game too much because it'll make me mad. But still, Zarek was doing <laughs> some stupid stuff in, o- in OT and threw that. I don't even know how he threw that one touchdown pass when he was nearly out of bounds. But, you know. Yeah. Man. Um, you know, like, I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, and Kennesaw State – it's weird because they didn't have football until 20, what, 16 or 17? Um, Somewhere around there, yeah. It and may then have been 2017. Immediately, like, it became a rivalry because we were playing them every year in the playoffs. And then we joined the A-Sun, and they did. And so then we were playing them every year in, re- in you know, in regular season play. And it's just – that was one of those that it wasn't forced. It just naturally became a rivalry really quickly. And, and you know, partly just because we're so close to each other. We're an hour and a half away from their campus – um, not that they, I mean, it's not like they play on campus or anything, you know, they play across the street from their campus in the soccer stadium. Um, but that's not the conversation. Um, I don't want to go too far down that road, but it, you know, I'm not lying. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, you're right. Um, well, um, but enough of looking in the past. Let's look to the future. Week one, week one, we have an opponent that I'm not sure we have seen before i could be wrong i I should have looked that up but we are playing utep university of texas at el paso yeah i let me look it up real quick i don't know if we've played utep but we can find out really quickly yeah i don't think so and i know uh for week one this is a pretty good warm-up game for us utep is not 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 a Bottom of the barrel team, they're not necessarily one of the people picked to win the conference, but I think it'll be a, a good warm up game for us being our first game in FBS and it's our first conference game, which which is weird to start the season off with a conference game. You you really don't get that uh we can throw this game away type feel because it matters for our conference standings. So uh it, it'll be a good one. I know uh, we get that game at home, and I think it's like a 4.30 kickoff, or maybe it's a 3.30 kickoff, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think so it's 4.30. It, with it being a 4.30 kickoff and it being week zero, I expect us to have a good bit of fans in the stands. Hopefully the weather will chill out just a little bit. But with it being 4.30, the sun will start to go down, and we'll just be a little muggy, that's all. Yeah, I don't – I don't think it's going to be too bad. Um, oh, well, never mind. Never mind. It's a high of 97, um, which is the highest over the next week and a half. Um, mm. Hopefully that humidity stays down. It's going to be 96 degrees at kickoff. Whew. 
Yeah, never mind. And then the real, the real field's going to feel like 100 at kickoff. This is one of those games where I am glad I am no longer in the marching band because I'm going to feel bad for those guys. That that's yeah. not going to be fun. It's not going to be yeah. fun for the football players either. I, th- that's one of those games where it's the first game of the season. You can try and emulate game speed and practice all you want, but you don't ever get game speed until you get to a game. So that first game of the season, and with it being that hot, even though both of these teams are from you know hotter areas, you just worry about stuff like cramps. You know, affecting the game and the the speed of gameplay, and just guys in general. You you really want to make sure they're hydrated before the game, and trying your best to avoid any sort of health scares, as far as heat stroke, cramps, and that kind of stuff goes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've even seen you know night games, you know, you know in high school where the other. Um, you know, t- the, my high school, we went really fast and we would put a lot of people in cramps, but even night games, you know, in August, in October, we'd have people cramping up. So I, they're going to have to keep an eye on it. It's what's crazy is the, what the temperature is going to drop like two days after the game. It's going to get down into the eighties, but no Saturday, it's going to be the hottest it's been all week. Yeah. And um, also not just the players, any of you fans listening, if you're going to the game, be be safe. Be careful. Make sure you you're drinking enough water before the game. Make sure you're drinking enough water and Gatorade during the game. Yes, I know we sell beer at the game, but don't just drink beer the whole time. Um, it doesn't hydrate you. It does no. not. Especially because I know a lot of y'all, especially the younger ones, will not just finish. At the game, you will go somewhere around town and continue to party throughout the night. And so, odds are a lot of you will have already pre-gamed, so we know where your bodies are going to be. So oh, please yeah. take, take care of yourself. We, we're begging of you. We don't need 5,000 students dropping out in the middle of the game. It, it would be a, a PR nightmare waiting to happen. <laughs> oh, speaking of pre-gaming, this will be our first week seeing what the tailgating atmosphere is like now that we're FBS. I I really expect a lot of those fans that we see coming back year after year that reserve tailgating for like the whole season. I really expect a lot of them to go all out for that game. Um, yeah. Um, let's say this: if you're if you're a UTEP fan and you're coming to Jacksonville, um, there will be plenty of places to eat. Um, cause I guarantee you some fans are going to offer you some food. Like, like Jalen said, I bet that, I bet we go all out. I know I'm going to be there. I know my dad's going to be tailgating. I know we're going to have food set up. It's going to be, it's going to be one of those weekends where I'm hoping we have one of the best atmospheres we've had in a while. Oh yeah. For, for any Utah fans that may be going to the game, just know that we are the friendliest campus in the South. And you can walk up to just about any of those uh, tents or grills or whatever they got going on, and they will offer you food. They will offer you a drink, conversation. There might be some lighthearted trash talk, but, you know, nothing too crazy. Our our fans are pretty cool. Um, We got a couple of guys who tailgate that 
you know, our fans know are like the the tent to go to or the person to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't hesitate to walk up to some of our resident JSU tailgaters and get to know people and try to build those friendships since we are going to be playing each other and seeing each other year over year and across all of our various sports. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'd love to meet some new people this week. I'd love to um, – I mean, you know, in the, in the spirit of good sportsmanship, I'd love just to, you know, maybe make some new friends and, you know, have some friendships that we can have some lighthearted trash talk to, you know, over the years. It, it's not like – no offense to UKSU fans, but sometimes it gets, you know, we go a little over the top because we genuinely just do not like each other. Um, the UTEP, it probably be a little bit different, you know. So, oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping for a good tailgating atmosphere. Um, week one, you know, oh, sorry, week zero. And, you know, you know, looking at week zero, there aren't really aren't any big matchups, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, we're more, honestly, sadly enough, because of who our coach is, we're one of the bigger games. Um, so a lot of eyes will be on Jacksonville, Alabama. I'm really, you know, I'm hoping it'll be a one of those atmospheres we look back on and think, yeah, that's the, that's the JSU that we expect to have week in and week out. Oh yeah, we there have been a, a couple of week one or week zero games in Jacksonville in my time that have just been insane lights out. We had a couple of years where our week zero game was in Montgomery and we had mixed results there, but the the week zero week one games that I've been to that were in Jacksonville. Fans did not hesitate to show up. It was a great atmosphere from start to finish. Just everybody finally ready to have football back. It's the South. Everybody knows in the South, on a Saturday, you're in the stadium or you're on your couch glued to the TV from sunup to sundown. Everybody's ready for football. And I just know before we even step foot in that stadium, it's going to be electric and I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, man, it's gonna be, it it's gonna be electric. Um, I, I need football badly, and I know it's only, <laughs> you know, four days, but still, I need I need some not even four days. It's Wednesday. We got no, it's Tuesday. Four days till football, so I can't come soon enough. The countdown is starting, and I mean, hey, we're expecting it to be electric inside. I can assure you, once those once the clock starts running. It's going to be electric inside. I mean, just look at our offense. Zion Webb will most likely be our week one starter. Um, For all of our JSU fans out there, we have become very familiar with that man. It feels like he has been at the university for about 20 years now, but he never fails to put on a show. No, I mean – He's been here. This is this will be his sixth year. He redshirted in 2017. He um, played in 2018-2019, started in 2020 after uh, Zarek got hurt in the fall and ended up turning into a pretty solid, you know, duels right QB, um, put up some good numbers. And then in the playoffs against, was it? Um, I think that was Delaware. It was Delaware, yeah. He, uh, he didn't tear. His, his MCL, but he strained it pretty badly um, and just ended up getting surgery on it and was out all last year. Um, 
Um, well, sorry, out all of 2021. Uh, 2022, he came back and ended up becoming a really good player uh, for Rich Rod. And so this is year, actually year seven for him on campus because of his medical redshirt and his COVID year. Uh, yeah. So it um, it's weird. This doesn't show his 2022 stats, but um, but yeah, this is gonna be year seven for him on campus. So it's his last ride, regardless. Um. um Look, I think he's going to have a big year if he stays healthy and if he's improved as a passer. I think that, you know, that was kind of his one whole, you know, you know, even in 2020, you know, I know different offensive staff, different system. Um, and, you know, we can get into that another time. But, you know, it, his one issue is that he's never been the most accurate downfield passer. Um, and, you know, I feel like at times that kind of – at times it hampered the offense last year. Um, and they ran the ball well. I think they led – Ason in rushing yards per game, even over I think even over Kennesaw State, who was running triple option. <laughs> um, even though they're not doing that anymore, and we'll get to that at some point this year. Um, but um, you know, if he's improved, I think he's got I think he's got all CUSA written all over him because I mean, he averages about six yards a carry. You know, he can run the ball, um, and he's made some good throws. He just needs to do it more often. Um, yeah. I definitely agree. He has uh, all CUSA potential. I think the only roadblock for him is his his teammates, his uh, his quarterback roommates, because we say he's most likely the starting quarterback because that's what was reported by our friends over at the Aniston Star. But apparently, it was really close. And Rich Rod said, if all goes well this week. All signs point to Zion, but he expects to see some of Logan, some others, and possibly even Tayshawn Smoot. Yeah, I'd um, I've been, I've been Tayshawn Smoot's biggest advocate all all off season. I think anyone who knows me and has listened to me talk JSU football, they know that I've been on the Tayshawn Smoot train pretty much ever since we saw him in the spring game. I think the, the kid is just a phenomenal player within Rich Rod's offense, especially, you know, you know, running zone read. He's got really good arm talent, um, you know, underrated arm talent for being a three-star, um, you know, committing to an FCS school, when which we were when he, when he first got on campus last year. I mean, the dude can absolutely – he can play. I think, you know, like you said, if all goes well, we're going to see all three QBs because we're hoping that we'll be up, you know, 40, 50 points. And then I'm not saying UTEP's that bad of a team, but, you know, you, that, that, you, you hope that you're going to blow out everyone. Um, yeah. Um, I think Tayshawn is a – like I said, I think he's a phenomenal player. But, you know, Logan Smothers, this is a guy who was a four-star, committed to play, you know, for Scott Frost at Nebraska. Um, he's a – He's a good athlete. He's a really good thrower of football. I think they're just working on making him a good passer of the football, right? I mean, he spins it well. I think they're trying to make sure, you know, improve his decision-making, improve his consistency. Um, you know, if he's consistent, if he's performing well, he's by far the best QB in this room. And that's not, oh, yeah. a, knock on, that's not a knock on, you know, Zion or Tayshawn, but, but I mean, this is a guy who, who committed to go play for, I mean, let's just be honest, one of the biggest programs in – in college football history in Nebraska. so And we already kind of have a, a history of taking <laughs> guys that were committed at bigger universities and having them ball out with us. Yeah, um, shout out to you, Zarek. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it's we have a problem in our quarterback room that a lot of teams, a lot of fans, a lot of coaches would love to have is looking at three guys that you could you could trust to plug into that position and manage the game, take over the game, go win the game. And um, if there's one thing about Rich Rod, he, he's used to having multiple quarterback options, at least at his last school. I remember that was one of the first things he told us in the press conference here at JSU. He had, I think he said like seven or eight quarterbacks on his depth chart. And it was not a guarantee of who was going to play, you know, week in and week out. It was just whoever worked the hardest, whoever, you know, showed and proved that they could hang and they could, they could uh, win the day. So it, it's a, it's a great problem to have, but definitely not something that Rich Rod is a stranger to whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, and I remember when he was the OC at uh, Ole Miss, I think in 2019, I think, yeah, it was 2019 was his last, was his, uh, was his year at Ole Miss. And, I mean, the QBs he had, he had Matt Corral, who got drafted by the Panthers last season um, and I think led the SEC in passing in 2020. He had John Rice Prumley, who's now – who I think just led the ACC in total yards. Um, not sorry, the ACC, the, a, the American Conference um, with UCF and uh, uh, noted <laughs> noted for offensive guru Gus Malzahn. Um, so, you know, he – He's used to having, like you said, multiple QBs who can, who can do it. Um, you know, obviously he favors a running guy because his offense is a lot of his own read. Um, but, you know, to, to his credit, look at what he's, he's got. Zion Webb, who I, I would say probably runs in the 4, 5 to 4, 6 range. He's got Tayshawn Smoot, who I'm sure from what I've seen runs in the 4, 6 range. I think Logan Smothers ran in the 4, 6 to 4, 7 range in high school. Um, so he's got three guys that can carry the rock and can throw it. And when he's got that, his offenses are deadly. Um, I mean, they're absolutely deadly. We all saw what he did at West Virginia with Pat White, um, what he did at Arizona with um, – geez, what's his name? Um, um, oh, uh, Anu Solomon. Like, he, he's had good QBs, and he's a good QB coach. So, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to see, you know, not just how Zion, you know, you know builds off of last year, but how these other two guys do. Because if you got three quarterbacks – yeah, technically, you know, they say if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. But, you know, year one of F- of FBS, you're going to throw the kitchen sink at people trying to win games. Oh, yeah. And uh, to go along with those three quarterbacks, I mean, you can't just base your offense solely off of passing. You become too one note. So it's a good thing we have three running backs that can complement those guys just as well. Uh, I mean, coming out of the backfield, we got Anwar Lewis, Ron Wiggins, and Malik Jackson. Now, I say we have three, but I know for at least the first week, we will be down one. As of right now, Anwar Lewis is not on the depth chart. Um, Richrod said it's not a huge deal, nothing to freak out over. So, I I am assuming we will see him at some point this season. Um, But even if we don't, Ron Wiggins, that man is a beast. Um, and I, I fully expect for him to step right in, take on those running back one responsibilities and carries and keep us going, keep us chugging right along. Yeah, and you know, 
Um, obviously, you know, we wish the best to Anwar. I mean, we don't know why he's out. But you mentioned it. You know, we got Ron and Malik who behind him, you know, we saw Ron last year. The dude could absolutely play. Um, when Anwar wasn't on the field, Ron Wiggins was it realistically basically run, running back 1B. Um, I mean, it. so it's a stacked room. You know, even without Anwar, I think we've got really, you know, three – Whoever plays at QB plus two running backs, we've got three really good runners in the backfield on any given snap. Um, um, obviously, we want Amar back. The dude's in, just insanely talented. Um, he'd be, I mean, I think he could start at a lot of Power 5 schools just because of his vision and his pass protection. I mean, he's he's really an overall, you know, all-around back. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Anwar, you know, best wishes to you. Hopefully you get better, you know, whatever it is. I uh, can't wait to have you back. Um, but you know, looking at these other guys, we—I'm not saying we're not—I'm not saying we're not going to miss a beat, but we won't miss too much just because of how good Ron Wiggins and Malik Jackson are. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And from from what I'm from what I've been reading and seeing, Malik Jackson is apparently an A one pass catcher out of the backfield, which a lot of people value running backs differently i think a running back who can basically turn into a slot receiver or even you know catch some of those wheel routes and whatnot out of the backfield i think that makes the game much more deadly especially with the the kind of offense that we're running or that you know we expect rich rod to run some of that up-tempo stuff if you can find the right mismatch coming out of the backfield and you can keep those guys on the field that that's lights out. You can chug right on down the field and put it in the end zone. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things about Rich Rod, you know, he did it at Arizona and at West Virginia. Didn't really do it well at Michigan. I think part of that was just they didn't have the right personnel for him. Uh, but he did it at Ole Miss too. His obviously he, five offensive linemen and a QB. But after that, he was he looked and said, "All right, who are our five best weapons?" And, how, and how do we get him on the field? So if he had two elite tight ends, he'd run a lot of 12 personnel. If he had five elite wide receivers, he'd go five wide. And, you know, same thing, two running, two great running backs, they're running a lot of two-back sets. So he's all about getting the five best players on the field as much as possible to make it as hard to defend as possible. So if that's, oh, yeah. so if that's Anwar Lewis and Ron Wiggins in the backfield, um, well, you know, we'll see it. And that's just what the offense that we're going to see. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Malik, you know, catching passes out of the backfield. I, I saw a lot last year, um, you know, even in week one. Um, he really likes to put – he put Anwar in – not necessarily in the slot, but almost like in a wing tight end, almost like an H-back position at times. And they go and they run him also, almost like a little out route from there just to get a quick first down. Um, I'd love to see Malik in that role because he's a little bit faster than Anwar. I think he can get space a little bit better. Um, and when he turns up field, he's still got the size to hit someone. Oh, yeah. I, I know you mentioned um, just the varying formations and plays we can run. I'm curious to see with the, the breadth of talent that we have, I'm curious to see some of the, the trickery and some of the – some of the the sleight of hand that Rich Rod has up his sleeve for some of these interesting situations that we will 
inevitably end up in because you know everybody loves a good trick play or you know a good flashy play that you just did not see coming yeah um obviously don't want to do it too often because you can you can play your way into some turnovers pretty quickly but you know a well-timed trick play with the amount of of weapons we have i mean that the ball could really go anywhere you know you could run a reverse and the ball end up back in the qb's hands on a little throwback um or they could run a reverse and then turn it into a flea flicker and throw a deep ball. I mean, there's so many ways that they could dress up the talent uh, this year. I'm really looking forward to it. And I mean, obviously we got some big games where they're going to have to pull it out. Um, so we'll see pretty quickly, especially against Liberty. But you know, like you said, Rich Rod can design up plays with the best of them. So I think we're in for a fun year on offense. Man, I'm. I really hope that we have a solid O line and they can hold up because if we can run some plays and get some deception in there. We have some burners at the wide receiver position that could flip the game on its head in a heartbeat. I mean, I like you, you mentioned flea flicker. I could just see one of those going to Michael Petway for like a, a 60 yard touchdown. And if that, if that was at home, I'm telling you right now, that stadium would go nuts. <laughs> they may, they may want to stay on their feet. They may knock down the construction project. <laughs> oh boy i mean you're not kidding we've seen our fair share of trick plays and big plays in jacksonville and when i tell you like if that if that if those stands are full everybody in the city of jacksonville which is not big to be fair everybody in the city of jacksonville will hear it everybody will know that something just went down in burgess Snowfield. oh yeah it for it only being a twenty-four thousand, you know, seat stadium, it, like you said, you can be in Walmart and you'll know pretty quickly if something's happened. Yeah, which I is mean, wild you, because Walmart's like a mile and a half, two miles down the road. But I mean, I've been in Walmart during, I think, I can't remember what, um, what game it was during COVID. I didn't go, um, and so I, um, I went to Walmart during halftime to pick up something. And I walked out, and um, I, I think Zion threw a bomb like on the first play of the second half, and I even just the, the small amount of people that were there during COVID, I could hear it from there. So you know, packed house, we run a little flea flicker for a touchdown. You might hear it from McClellan. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I'm I'm honestly just excited. We have so much potential on offense. Um, it's probably, and this is crazy to say because we've had a lot of talent in general in our years, uh, at least in the years I've been a fan. I think this has the potential to be one of the most talented offenses that we've seen in a, in a good little bit. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I look at 2018, you know, Really, that's the last time we've had a truly elite offense. You know, that's when we had Zarek, uh, Josh Pearson, um, Trey Berry. Um, um, man, what was his name? The 6'7 receiver? Uh, that other dude that they lined up opposite of Josh and you just couldn't guard him? I, could, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we I, also had Dalton Screws, man. He yeah. Was under Underrated. And that was also when we had like four running backs who were all toting the rock. Um, 
Um, or even, you know, you go back to 20, I think it was, yeah, 2015, the championship year when you had, um, um, obviously had, um, um, had Eli, um, you know, the next year you then got a, we had Rock Thomas, um, yeah, we we we've had we've had some hitters yeah. playing on offense. Some Crazy. of those guys were some Crazy. of those guys were hitters in other ways, but we won't talk about that. Oh goodness! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we 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 remember the the discipline issues under under the previous staff for sure. Yeah, uh, well, but no, luckily, man. We, it, luckily, based on last season, it seems those days are long, long behind us. Yeah, but you know, you, you you're not wrong. Um, you know, this, this has potential to be one of our most talented offensive units ever. You know, the defense, defense ain't gonna be too bad either. Um, you know, Colby Fuqua is playing his you know thirtieth year of college football, but other than that, <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I swear I, that I, man, I swear he transferred from Auburn in 2019, and he's been here for like four years. And I I swear, like, on everything that I have earned at my job. I swear he was a junior at Auburn when he transferred. That's how old it feels like he is. Yeah. I, there's a couple of guys where it just seems like, even if they're not there for that long, it just seems like you hear their name at a game for about six or seven years in a row. And it's like, how long are you here? How do you still have eligibility? How much longer do you have? Like, what what is going on? Well, for example, like um, – how many years in a row did we did we listen to the starting lineups waiting to hear Your Majesty Sanders' name called? Dude, I, I swear that man was at JSU for about 20 years. But I also think that was just because he has a really cool name. So people were just waiting to hear his name called. He, yeah, he was, okay, so he was there for five years. But, man, it felt like it was longer than that. Oh, um, yeah. His, he's, but, he got here in 17, and his last year was fall 21. But, man, it felt like he was there for, like, seven or eight years. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, going back to the defense, I uh, – another guy who it just feels like he's been here that long, he really hasn't. I'm ready to see what J-Rock Swain can do in yep. his first year in the FBS because if there's one thing that he is known for, it is disrupting the QBs and making them uncomfortable. That man – that man is almost like a bullet coming off the line. If if you don't double team him, there is a good chance he will at least have his face in the face mask of your quarterback, if not putting him on the ground. Yeah, man, J Rock's a he's a monster, and it's it's wild because when he got here, you know we knew about the athleticism, but we weren't sure if he'd have enough size. And I think year one he put on about twenty thirty pounds, and now he's. He's one of the best um, best edge rushers in the conference. Um, I, I expect that he will be an all CUSA performer this year. I think he's that good. Um, I'm hoping they just let him loose and just let him go play football because he's. I mean, I know we, you know, you know, in the last few years we've had you know, Will Anderson, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, those type of guys who, you know, you can line up kind of whether it's a stand up D lineman, whether it's an edge rusher, whether it's an outside linebacker. He's Obviously, he's not, you know, Will Anderson, but he he has that kind of versatility. You can put him in three or four different positions and send him after the QB and just dress up blitzes different ways, and it's so hard to stop him because he could be coming from, like, he, he could almost line up. I don't want to say line up in nickel because he's not that fast, but 
you know, he could come off the, off the edge, you know, almost out of the slot. He could come out of the you know defensive backfield. He'd come off the line. Like he, he really could come out of everywhere. He's, he's that good. Yeah. He's one of those guys. We don't have, we don't have a long list of guys playing in the league, but he's one of those guys that I could see, you know, leaving good old Jacksonville, Alabama and ends up playing somewhere on Sunday nights. And uh, I, I mean, with a name like that, he almost has to make the starting lineup or at least make a team somewhere. Cause uh, I, I definitely want to hear that name being called on an NFL broadcast. Yeah. Maybe we could get him to Buffalo play with Saran. Oh dude, that, that would be awesome, man. Uh, Saran, you know, he got drafted in 18. He's been with the bills every year since then on the active roster. He's got 93 tackles in five years, which is not bad, you know, for a guy yeah. who's, I mean, who's mostly, you know, special teams, but he, uh, He's made some impact plays on defense, too. There have been a couple of times where he'll have a highlight that will make it on ESPN, and I'm just like, dang. Yeah, I mean, and he I mean, he just signed a three-year extension, so obviously we got some guys that are, you know, that they're having prolonged NFL careers. And like I said, I think J-Rock, one of those guys who can do it because he's got the talent, he's got the athleticism. And that's what they're looking for in the NFL is athleticism. You can put size on later. Um, you know, you you can coach size and strength. You can't coach fast. Nah, not at all. You you either got speed and quickness, or you don't have it at all. Um, yeah, he's got I it. I mean, b- between him and the the rest of the defense and just our team in general, I not only do I like our chances in week one, I like our chances on the season. Obviously, you have to be realistic. We're we're not going to go twelve and zero. Um, but I, I don't see us hitting the floor or I don't see our ceiling being what some of these uh, these guys on Twitter are saying. Um, I've seen a lot of the people saying our, our ceiling is four and eight or I've even seen three and nine. I, I honestly think that's more of our floor because this team is just way too talented. I, I think we can easily – go in and win enough games to where we would have been bowl eligible. Um, we just have a lot of guys that are FBS ready, that are CUSA ready, even though we have to go out there and prove ourselves. I, I think they're going to step up to the plate. I think they're going to they're go out there and do it. Yeah, and you know, you know, you mentioned people saying our ceiling is at four and eight. Um, I just want people to keep in mind We've won in the last three years two games get F- against FBS opponents, one of which is in our conference. Um, I think actually we've beaten them twice is FIU. Yeah. I, I think we beat them two straight years. Um, and then almost beat Florida State two straight years. Yeah, we had Florida State. I think we were winning at halftime Yeah, uh, the first year. So, like – I'm not saying we're going to come out and we're going to be 2017 UCF or 2021 Cincinnati where we're going to the playoff, but we're not, we're not going to be scrubs. You know, we, yeah, we have a gauntlet of a schedule because we got Liberty coastal. Um, I think we play, I think we have like six straight weeks where every team we play won at least nine games last year. So yeah, that that's tough considering they're all FBS teams, but we still have teams we can beat. And you know, a few of those hard games are, are at home, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Li- yeah. Liberty's at home. Eastern Michigan's at home. Louisiana Tech is what didn't make a bowl last year, but they should be better this year, and they're at home. Um, 
Coastal's on the road, but Coastal Carolina isn't necessarily known for being this, you know, insane atmosphere. And they've got a new coach with Jamie Chadwell having left. Um, like, there's really – there's a route for us to win six, seven, maybe. I, you know, I think eight or nine is pushing it, but I'm not going to rule it out just because I know who our coach is. Um, and he's – yeah. He, he's won games outside of Michigan. He's won everywhere he's been. So I'm not going to rule out him doing it in year one now. So Yeah. I hate that we have to wait so long to be able to play a bowl game because I genuinely believe that we could we could be bowl eligible after this season. Um, but, you know, it, it's the transition rules, and we knew it when we were when we were joining. But, yeah, I definitely don't – I definitely don't see our ceiling being four and eight. If we end up, you know, hitting four and eight and those guys were correct, then so be it. My main thing is, and I said it on the, the podcast we were on the last time, I just want I, I want our guests to go out there and play hard and give 110% effort the whole game and try and make them as close of a game as possible. Because, I mean, if we, if we do go four and eight and we lose some of those really big games by 10 or less or even seven or less, I know people don't like the phrase moral victories, but I I would think that would be a moral victory in a sense. Because, I mean, first year in FBS, if we go out there and we can prove to them that we're hanging around our first year, that's enough said right there. We can prove yeah. that, you know, we're here to stay. We're not messing around. You're not just going to come in and it's not going to be a cupcake game that you can just say, oh, we're going to win we don't have to worry about them. No, I want them to know that year in and year out, whether it's in Jacksonville or we're coming to them, it's going to be a knockdown, drag out fight. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I totally agree with you. Um, I, yeah, I'd love to see us win six, seven, even eight games. But like you said, if we can come out with with moral victories and you know, at least push some teams to the edge. And, and let them know that, you know, you know, year two, year three, we're going to be coming for them. Teams are going to get uncomfortable real quick. I think, I mean, just knowing, you know, the kind of coach Rich Rod is, you know, he's hard-nosed. Obviously, we've all heard the phrase hard edge, um, you know, the last two years. You give him a year to, to really get these guys accustomed to FBS football, watch out because he he knows this level. He is he has been there and done that. Um I knew he was itching um, to get back to it when when he when they hired him. Um, I feel like that's the reason he said yes because he knew that we were going FBS and he wanted back. Um, so, you know, look out for those of you who are maybe you know doubting us early. All I'm going to say is is you know just watch. I, I hate saying just watch because that's what Brian Harson said last season, and then it just <laughs> and, then, and then Auburn tanked. Um, but they like just watch like. I'm not saying we're going to come out and win the conference, but we ain't going to lay down and go 0 and 12 either. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't. I don't see us going 0 and 12. We're we're going to come out fighting no matter what our record is. Um, but I mean, I think that's pretty much it as far as like the the football talk goes. Yeah, but, uh, I think so. But, I mean, as we're wrapping it up, do you have a prediction for how the week one game is going to go? I um let me see if I, ha- I still have it pulled up. I made a lot of notes on that other podcast that we did. Um, shout out to the uh, man, I can't even remember the name of the podcast. Um, I'll have to look it up and we'll 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 plug it again on our Twitter 
Um, um, but I think I had some notes and I, I, I mentioned that, you know, they were kind of in, I don't want to say a transition, but, um, let's see here. I don't still have it, but, uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know if we're going to run them off the field. Um, but I do think that we'll be able to come out and win. Um, you know, if we play a clean game, um, you know, so whoever's at QB, whether it's Zion, Logan, um, Tayshawn, they take care of the football and make good decisions, you know, don't try to do too much. Um, if the offensive line is, you know, disciplined, receivers aren't dropping passes, I think we have a chance to win, you know, maybe one or two scores. You know, UTEP, I think, won four or five games last year, so they aren't, you know, terrible by any means. Um, uh, let me pull it up real quick, and I'll give you the, the final prediction before I let you do your um, – see if I can get it pulled up quick. Um, while I'm looking for it, why don't you go ahead and do yours? I definitely think we walk out of there with a win. Um, it can easily go either way, but I'm, I'm going to go with us coming in first game of the season, first game FBS. It's not a night game, but it's an afternoon game. The sun will be going down. I think all of our fans have been itching for some JSU football. I think the energy's flowing. I think once we hear the Southerners hit that first note in pregame, and then again in the stands, I, I think between all of that, and then not to mention UTEP, they're, they're on the, the complete other side of Texas. They're a long way from home. We got the home cooking and... I would say their own beds on their side, but I, I know they don't they don't stay on campus the night before the games. But e- either way, you got the home cooking, and you know I think these guys are going to come out just ready to fight, ready to fire it off. I could easily see us winning with a score of like like a, a, a forty two to seventeen type deal, but I could also see it being a little bit of a, a a little bit of a fight. I, I, I could see it either being like a 42 to 17 or maybe like a 35 to 28 type deal. All right. All right. I like it. Um, you know, look at how, look at how they played last year. Uh, they had some good wins. They beat, um, they beat Charlotte. They beat Boise state. Um, uh, they beat, uh, FIU and FAU. Um, but they also, and you know, and they even, you know, hung close with UTSA, who I think finished as like the, um, I, I mean, they went in, I remember UTSA was ranked going into bowl, bowl season, um, had some good wins, had some, had some good losses, but they also got ran off the field by some teams that really aren't that good. Um, you know, like you said, we got, we're going to have home cooking. Hopefully that's also on the officiating. I'd love to see some calls go our way. Um, you know, fans have been itching for football, um, itching for that first year FPS. I know Rich Rod's probably going to be foaming at the mouth, ready for, ready for some football. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to go into like a 35 to 24 type game. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we can definitely win it easily. Um, it's one of those games where as long as we show up and take care of business, with it being a home game and with it being an afternoon game, I think we should have absolutely no problem going in there. 
taking care of business, coming out with a big win to start the season, and hopefully, you know, to jumpstart our, our momentum and keep it going um, and carry us so that we can get to that gauntlet and get through it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hopefully, we're, we're going to find out for sure one way or the other in four days um, at Burgess Snow. I don't know about you. I know I'm going to be there. I'm going to try to be there. I'm going to try to be there for sure. Love me some JSU football. Nothing better than being there in the stadium when the lights are going. And, uh, I mean, now JSU – or not JSU, the city of Jacksonville has a little bit of nightlife going. So, uh, you might just catch me at Apothecary after the game. You know, for all the people that are going to be in Jacksonville, definitely hit up Apothecary. Definitely hit up Jefferson's, Cooter Brown's, uh, The Rocket, several places – Local mom and pop restaurants in Jacksonville hit them all up. They're all good. Yeah, there's there's plenty of places to hit up, whether it be food, drinks, you know, anything. We 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 might be a small town, but we got a decent amount now. Um, so yeah, uh, looking forward to it. Um, and then I want to do one little final shout out because uh, I know we have it on our notes. JSU has a bowling team now. <laughs> yeah, we do. I I mean. That, that was one of those things. Obviously, when you move up to FBS, there's a lot of um, sports that are a little bit more I, – I say secondary, but no disrespect, to, no disrespect to any of those sports whatsoever. Um, bowling is one I did not expect us to ever add. But, hey, we got a bowling team. I know I can't bowl enough to be on a team, but I can't wait to see what our bowling team can do. We, we do have a history of our, our uh, secondary sports winning championships. Shout out to our cornhole team. I was can't about to what, say. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was like 2018, 2019, but now, yeah, cornhole won the natty. So. I just remember scrolling Twitter, and it's like, JSU has won the collegiate doubles championship for cornhole. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know we had a team. Hey, but you know what? You, you know what they say. We're okay. They they don't say it, but we say it. We're the school of champions. We just win championships. It doesn't matter what sport. We 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 want it. So. Oh yeah, I I mean I can't wait to get more into it and see how they do throughout the season, um, in all of our sports. Uh, on our next episode, I hope to have a little bit more information on all of our sports in general because uh, we're not just a football podcast. We want to include all of our athletics. We are blessed to have a lot of really strong uh, sports programs, a lot of great coaches that have graced our courts and our fields. Um, so we definitely want to make sure everybody gets the proper recognition they deserve. Absolutely, man. Um, absolutely. Hopefully we can – hopefully the next few weeks we'll have some basketball news we can touch on. That's really what I'm looking forward to is – seeing how we how the basketball teams match up in the new conference because for those of you who haven't been to the Pete for a basketball game on Saturday nights, it is something else. Oh, the Pete is – when it's a packed house, the Pete, I think, could rival almost any atmosphere outside of your super, super major ones. I think it could rival just about any other atmosphere in college basketball. Um, so, yeah, definitely for any of the fans out there, whether you be – 
whether you're a fan of one of the teams on our schedule or just a fan in general, make your way to Jacksonville once basketball season starts because you're definitely want to be you're definitely going to want to be there for a game. Hear the amazing pet band, hardcore. Um, watch Coach Harper just conduct magic on the court. It's it's one of those one of those venues that you show up. It doesn't look super overwhelming, but then you leave and you're like, "Wow, that was a really great game from start to finish." Yeah, and the student section. I tell you what, now that I'm not in hardcore, and I can be down in the student section for games and not you know not get in trouble for doing stuff I probably shouldn't you know when I'm in uniform. Student section, yeah. And I know you you can attest to it because you've been in the cock flock for a while now. Um, our student section for basketball is wild, um, rowdy. Most oh. of us most of us stand up the whole time. Oh yeah, you will rarely ever see the students and the band sitting down. Uh, it's just one of those environments where opposing coaches have even come up to the students and the band after the game and just remarked on how wild and how insane of an environment it is. I mean, we've even seen during timeouts where coaches have to set up their uh, timeout huddle damn near at half court because the atmosphere is just way too rowdy for them to be able to get the information they need to get across. And uh, we've definitely gotten under the skin of a couple of players We've gotten at least one player kicked off the team. Yeah, it's gotten physical before. Um, And that doesn't mean that we're afraid of it. If you want to get physical, get physical. We're more than willing to see that Facebook post that you're not playing anymore. Trust me. Hey, but they're lucky now. Now uh, JPD and UPD, they stand right there in between the student section and the opposing team as they're leaving. So maybe nothing will happen going forward, but – you know, all that to say, the atmosphere and the mm-hmm. peak on a good night. Pretty electric. Out. It's it's electric, man. Um, all right. I think that pretty much wraps it up for us. I think it was a successful episode. Um, yeah. We, I mean, we, you know. This was our first week. So if any of y'all out there have any advice, any critiques, I mean, we're, we're genuinely open to anything you have to say. This is sure. our first episode, so we know it's not perfect. Whatever you have to say, any advice you have, any suggestions you have, please don't be afraid to send them our way. Um, you can send, you can DM us on our Twitter page, SSN underscore Jack State. That is SSN underscore J-A-X-S-T-A-T-E. Yeah, send us, and, that, and it's not just even like, like suggestions, like give us, you know, ideas on what we should talk about. Um, you know, I think outside of the the uniform stuff and the in the stadium stuff we came up with pretty much everything this week so i'd love to get you know some you know fan feedback um whether it's from the other sidelines accounts whether it's from jsu fans you know we want to know what you guys want to hear from us so we can talk about it because at the end of the day i mean yeah doing a podcast is fun and all we want to do it for y'all give y'all something to listen to um you know on the ride home from work you know so you know give us suggestions we like Jalen said we are a, a blank canvas right now um, as a podcast, we, we have a name and we have, <laughs> that's about all it. That's, that's yeah. literally all we have right now. 
So hopefully, hopefully we can get a, a theme song or something down. So, uh, and, and something to play so you can have a little break and don't have to hear us talking for an hour and a half, two hours straight. But uh, we're, 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 we got some things in the works. For sure. No question. Uh, well, I guess that wraps it up. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode two. Um, and hopefully by, at that point, we'll be talking about a, a big JSU win against UTEP. Um, but whether or not, you know, regardless, we will be there. So, uh, so good night to everyone. Hope everyone has a great week. Uh, hope to see you Saturday at Burgess Snow. Let's go, Cox. Let's go, Cox, baby. See y'all later.